Welcome to The Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very basement, which is full of candelabra made with the bones of the damned, a baby doll missing its head but it still speaks non-stop, and a brick cell phone from the 80s. I'm Roxy Folk. <laughs> and I'm Mikey McCaller. <laughs> Mikey, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest thing that's happened to us this week. What went down your life outside of the scary basement life that is uh, spooked you to your bones? Well, Roxy, I was taking an elevator. Okay. I was going up to see a friend in their apartment. The elevator got stuck. Oh. And so I was, like, actually <laughs> stuck for, like, 45 minutes in this <laughs> elevator. <laughs> And there's a little call box that you just press and then like somebody that they like transfer you to. And the person I got transferred to was some sort of ghoul troll. Oh, I see. Okay. And he was like, this is happening. Yes, we'll send, (laughs) we'll send somebody out to get you out. But first you must answer my riddle. Well, Uh, it was fine. It was an easy riddle. Okay, so the riddle, big the riddle didn't take you 45 minutes. It was just the waiting. That no, 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 no. I was, he, uh, he was like, first you must answer my riddle. And I was like, great, let's hear it. He goes, what's black and white and red all over? I was like, a newspaper. And he's like, okay, great. We'll send somebody right out. <laughs> do you think that's just like a part of his, his, I don't know, physiology or myth where he has to do it. So he just gives people the most obvious ones so he can just be done with it. Because it's like a compulsion he can't not do. <laughs> Right. It's like when you go to the chiropractor and they're just like, uh, hey, sorry, we got to ask you the COVID compliance questions. We know you're not going around making out with people. <laughs> or are you? Uh, yeah, no, it's just part of the process. <laughs> Roxy, what happened to you that was scary in your bones? Well, I decided to reorganize the furniture in my room and I think I put it in a cursed, <laughs> a cursed formation. Because uh, the feng shui in my room does not feel great anymore, and I think I might have to move it back. You got that uh, haunted feng shui? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Sometimes people reorganize their rooms in a certain way, and then they die. And uh, then they like put a curse on that specific layout. <laughs> Do you think that's what's happened to my room's previous occupant, and now it's going to happen to me? Roxy, did you double check wherever you're living uh, as to who or what had died you know, I in that place before you got it. I probably, I probably should have. That was my fault for not double checking, or mm-hmm. the real estate agent's fault for not disclosing. Yeah, like a cop, they've got to tell you if you ask. <laughs> They're supposed to tell you in general, not just when you ask. But I feel like I think that is something they can get around it, right? Just wait for you to ask. I suppose so. Yeah, if I was, uh, that's always like the question I forget. Like whenever you're going to like look at an apartment. And you know you're supposed to ask a couple questions like, what are the utilities like? What are the neighbors? Who died and what causes did they care about that they're maybe still avenging? Yeah, if I have to, like, fulfill their last wish as a ghost or, you know, exercise them. I, <laughs> I would rather exercise the last wishes of a ghost than put down a security deposit. <laughs> can we make a deal with that? Maybe we can get around that. <laughs> Greetings, mortals. Were you aware that in many states, there are real estate laws that require an agent to disclose if a residence is haunted before the sale? Many of my co-workers in the demonic robot butlering industry find it very inconvenient. Anyway, enough idle chit-chat. Have you watched the 2011 film Your Next, directed by Adam Wingard and starring Shawnee Vincent, Joe Swanberg, and A.J. Byrne? Yes, I did Uh, it. I did, yes, I did watch the film It Your Next. Good, good, Mikey. Then you shall keep your souls. For now. 
I do not take the word of organic mortals without proof, so now you must summarize the plot of the film or you shall forfeit your souls. All right, so yeah, you're next. It starts off with Aaron, who is our main character, and boyfriend Crispin, who are on their way to Crispin's family reunion in a fancy vacation home in the middle of nowhere. Uh, little do they know that the neighbors have been murdered with a disturbing message left saying, you're next, scrawled in blood on the wall. Aaron and Crispin arrive, meeting the parents of the family. So uh, I'm going to list all of these characters, so get ready. Uh, so the parents are Mother Aubrey and Father Paul, older brother Drake, and his wife Kelly. Uh, and then the two younger siblings, which is brother Felix and his girlfriend Z, who's kind of like an alternative girl uh, with very heavy eyeliner. And younger sister Amy, who seems like a real sweetheart, and her boyfriend Tariq, who is a documentary filmmaker. Phew, that's a lot of people. <laughs> During dinner, tensions run high, and Crispin and his judgmental brother Drake get into a shouting match. Their fight, however, is interrupted when a crossbow bolt shoots through the window and kills Tariq, and another wounds Drake, causes a huge panic. With no cell phone service and out of options, Amy, who is the fastest among them, plans to run for the car, but instead runs straight into a wire trap <laughs> Set up by the killers right by the front door. She dies. <laughs> Mother Aubrey, inconsolable. She's taken upstairs to rest. So sadly, Aubrey is by herself. So she's killed upstairs in the bedroom. And then the words, you're next, are scrawled on the wall in blood next to her dead body. Aaron is then able to use a cell phone to try and send out a 911 text message because in emergencies, even if like phones are jammed or not, there is no service. Sometimes they are able to get through with a text message as kind of like a safety measure. Uh, so she's hoping she can get some help out. In all the chaos, the masked killer in a tiger mask enters, but Aaron gets the jump on him and kills him before he can kill her. No one seems to recognize the killer after she unmasks him. Everyone is stunned by Aaron's ability to survive and to kill to protect herself. Meanwhile, Kelly finds a killer in a fox mask hiding under the bed who killed their mother, Aubrey. And in a blind panic, Kelly runs over the house, eventually finding the neighbor's house, which, sadly, they were killed in beforehand. So she gets no help, and instead she gets killed by the man in the lamb mask. Crispin then decides to leave to get help while Aaron and the rest of the family stay in the house. And then Father Paul... He's checking out upstairs, and he discovers that the killers have been camped out in the house, stalking the family for days, and that it was a targeted attack against the family. He's telling this to his son Felix and girlfriend Z, and as he's saying this, he gets killed by the man in the fox mask. And then we get the big old twist that Felix has actually hired these killers to kill his entire family so he can get his inheritance and not have to split it with his siblings. And uh, Z, his girlfriend, is super stoked about this. She's she's along for the ride. Felix is an asshole. Aaron decides to set nail traps by the windows and tells Z that she grew up on a survivalist compound, which is where she learned how to defend herself. Z is surprised and realizes how much of a threat to the plan Aaron really is. When the girls set traps upstairs, Felix kills Drake in the basement and... Yo, Drake just won't die. It takes like five stabs to finally kill him. While Aaron checks the upstairs windows, she finds the father's body, and Fox Mask attempts to kill her. But she escapes through the window, injuring herself in the process. But Aaron is able to hide. 
In her hiding place, Aaron overhears Felix, Z, Fox Mask, and Lamb Mask, who are the four remaining opponents she's got to take out, fighting over payment and the fact that Tiger Mask and Lamb Mask were brothers and that he wants revenge. And Tiger Mask actually cares about his brother, unlike Felix, so he's <laughs> super pissed about this. Felix is like this pathetic, sniveling idiot, so he he kind of discusses payment to give them more and more money to just keep keep going with the plan. So Aaron is finally clued into the whole picture on this, but, well, fortunately and unfortunately, her 911 call is a success, which is great. But then it makes a beeping noise, which alerts everyone to where she is. So she's got to fucking make her run for it on an injured <laughs> leg. And because she's so smart, luckily in the process, she's able to ambush Lamb Mask and kill him as he's pursuing her. Now, with just one masked killer left, Aaron sets a trap in the basement where she's able to kill Fox Mask. It's down to Felix and Z. Two on one. Aaron is greatly injured, but she manages to take them both out with a blender. <laughs> <laughs> what a jam. With everyone in the house dead except for Aaron, Felix's cell phone goes off and Aaron answers. Wouldn't you know it, Crispin is on the other end. He reveals that he was in on all of this and that he's a pacifist, so he couldn't do any of the killing. And he asks, thinking he's talking to Felix, if it's all over. Crispin enters the house and Aaron reveals that she was on the other end of the phone and now she knows everything that he's done up to this point. Crispin tries to manipulate Aaron into going along with his plan, saying that she was never supposed to die as part of the plan. She was supposed to be an unbiased person without a record who could attest to everything that happened. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then he tries to sweeten the pot with saying, think about all the money I'll get. You could pay off student loans. You don't have to be a bartender anymore. Uh, Aaron, however, is completely disgusted with Crispin and just straight up stabs him, kills him. <laughs> in a very cathartic <laughs> scene. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the cops showed up and they shoot her through the window because it's... <laughs> I can only imagine what it looks like from their perspective. Aaron is now injured on the ground. The cop goes around to the front door, unbeknownst to the fact that she had set a trap for the killers there. And unable to stop him in time, the uh, final shot of the movie is the cop opening the door and the trap swinging for his face. And that's it. So it is clear that you have seen the film. Therefore, you may keep your souls. Okay, good. See, we, Great work, we proved we Great did it. Work, staying alive. For now. <sighs> Not us again. He got us. We'll be right back here next week. <laughs> Prove that you understand the film by discussing its themes. Roxy, what a movie your next is, huh? It sure was. Uh, what did you think, Mikey? What, what did you think the big idea of the movie was? I couldn't pick one. Okay, well, give, give me a couple <laughs> Am of I them. bad at this? Did I used to be good at <laughs> sussing out a theme in a movie and then I just lost this superpower like Superman in the presence of Kryptonite? Listen, there's definitely something going on about the idea of losing our humanity and becoming animals. Hmm. We are being led to slaughter. We are being hunted. That's very frightening. The fact that the killers are hunt are are animals is about to me rather uh seemingly about like the stripping away of our humanity. Suddenly we're no longer people who can interact. We are animals to each other. They are animals for doing this and Aaron and her friends have become prey. Hmm. Even though it's like a calculated move to get the inheritance though, he's doing it like for a goal, not to sustain himself. 
I guess. Well, I guess technically yeah. to sustain himself with the money, I suppose. <laughs> oh yeah, his no, his motivations are deeply human, but it, like the stripping away of the humanity, the, like the idea that you could do this to people. Oh. To other human beings is animalistic. And then the yeah. fact that it becomes a hunter-prey relationship. And what's kind of fun about this movie is how it takes the hunter and the prey and flips them. We didn't realize, I mean, it's kind of diehardish. We didn't yeah. realize <laughs> that this person that we thought was a prey was in fact a hunter. Yeah, I think that this predator-prey relationship, maybe predator-prey is a better way to describe it. That okay. these animals show up and then they turn Aaron and the family into softer animals rabbits all of a sudden we've got a predator prey relationship to all of these people the other the other big theme that i saw going on here you know sometimes your family's not great yeah for me it was kind of about trust and the fact that you can think you know a person but do you really Mm. you kind of don't until you see them put to the test or you see them reveal their true self like in the terms of aaron finding out how much of a piece of shit her boyfriend was Mm-hmm. Which uh, has this happened to you before, Roxy? <laughs> Have you ever met somebody who was just like, "Oh, wait, you definitely are capable of murdering me." Um, I wouldn't say murder, but I have definitely met people that I'm like, "Oh, you're someone I definitely don't want to get close to," because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I think <laughs> it's not going to be beneficial for, uh, or it's not going to be healthy, I guess, for uh, for me or that person. Yeah, I I get into the relationships with those people and then I'm just like, well, I already told them they were my best friends, so I guess I'm stuck with them for the rest of my life. No, Mikey, no. You can say no. And that's why I keep getting murdered. (laughs) But because of the rules of the basement, you're uh, able to stay alive. We get it. Yeah, there's some sort of uh, regeneration chamber because there's no way Demon Bot's going to let me off that easy. Well, I have to keep putting you in there before he can get to your body so he can take it, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, yeah, no, he does want to take my body. Like, how <laughs> many times have I had to clean up after you to make sure he doesn't get you? <laughs> yeah, it's so nice of you to keep finding my corpse and resurrecting me <laughs> before I can be stolen by Demon Bot because I keep getting murdered by friends and lovers. Well, that's Roxy. what, Mikey, that's what true <laughs> friends do, okay? They revive you and they don't don't let you get possessed by a Demon Bot. Yeah, you, you've got a lot of those spirit amulets that raise people from the dead, <laughs> and uh, th- thank God for that. <laughs> it is something really scary to think that your family specifically could be murderous. Yeah, and that money would be it. Because the idea that your family is like, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's kind of frightening that like, I, I know most people, I don't know if most people, I know a lot of people have family that they love and they like spending time around. And I do definitely have some family members that are like that. But then I also have family members that I just don't care for. And mm-hmm. I don't want to see, but you got to kind of see them at weddings. Like they're there at weddings. And sorry, we you're going to be in my life. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't think anybody is actually murderous. But they're certainly toxic people. Yeah. <laughs> they're toxic people I don't want around. For real. I mean, they kind of show it in this movie in the beginning, sort of, with the dynamics between Crispin and Drake. How Drake is, like, this asshole older brother who takes every chance he can to put down Crispin specifically, but probably the other siblings, too. I mean, definitely the younger sister's boyfriend as well. <laughs> yeah. There's this whole extended dinner scene right before the crossbows start firing. It's so awkward. <laughs> where Crispin is just ripping into this, his sister's no, Drake. new boyfriend. Drake is not Crispin. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, Drake. Drake is ripping into his sister's new boyfriend about, like, how 
he's a director of documentaries and he's like well you should try commercials commercials are really great they're like high art (laughs) i mean you and i are both artists i'm sure we've gone through this with our family where it's like oh yeah i like to draw and they're like you know what i love is paintings of wilderness (laughs) you're like great (laughs) that's close and you know that they're trying. Like, that's kind of what I felt bad about for Drake. It was like, oh, he they was were, trying. Oh, to, he was not trying. He was trying to make him look like. he was trying? No, he was trying to make him look like a fool is what he was trying to do. I, I read that as him trying. Oh, he was needling at him the whole time because it's the exact same thing he did to Crispin as well. He just saw a chance to, like, take someone down a peg. Yeah, that's interesting. Why did I think that the Tariq stuff was sincere and the Crispin stuff, because the Crispin stuff I definitely felt was needle. It, it starts where Tariq thinks he's being sincere and then he twists it and turns it, especially when he's like, oh, what's an underground film festival? Is that like where you watch films underground? Like that thing when you ask people to explain things when you obviously know the answer <laughs> to it and just to twist it like it's the dumbest thing. That's interesting. Yeah, I definitely read that as him just being an idiot and trying to connect. <laughs> well, that's very charitable of you uh, to be able to yeah. do that conversation that way. A funny, I, I guess because I've definitely had conversations with people where I'm explaining like, oh, I'm a writer. And they're like, oh, so like books. And it's like, well, yeah, no. I mean, like I've had those conversations too. And I think there's, uh, Mikey, this is why you keep getting murdered because you can't tell when people are being genuine about this and when, <laughs> when they're oh, being yeah. facetious. No. I'm a doe-eyed naive. <laughs> I I do not see people's ill intent. A funny little trivia thing about that a lot of the dialogue actually is sort of partially improvised and partially based on like the writer and director's actual experiences interacting with like awkward family interactions. Hmm. So when that part came up, I was like, yeah, this sounds like this is probably something similar to what happened Mm -hmm. with the director at one point. Uh Is the is the the writer and the director are the same person? No, they're two film. different people. It's different people. And are they related? No, but they've done movies together before. Um, I really mm. like the guest, which is something I wish we could do for this podcast. But I think it's more of a thriller. Uh, I highly recommend mm. watching it. But your next and the guest are my favorite movies they've done, and it's cool to see them like work on a couple of projects together. I think they also collaborated on the newest Blair Witch movie that you said you liked. I love that new Blair Witch movie, but I love the Blair Witch mythos. Okay. Which is... For la- for lack of a better term, it's a dumb mythos. Uh, <laughs> what but about that, that first, second that movie, first... though, huh? That second movie? Do you just pretend that doesn't exist? Oh my god, I forgot about that second it's movie. So <laughs> That's another movie that is, like, weirdly meta, where, like, the actors are playing themselves. Oh my god, I should rewatch no, that second not. Blair Witch movie. Are you no, the of- actors from the first Blair Witch movie are that like the the thesis of Blair Witch Two is that Blair Witch One was a film. Like Blair Witch Two ostensibly takes place in our oh, okay. universe. Okay, yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and so like Heather Donahue from the first movie plays Heather Donahue, and like we get clips of her on Jay Leno or whatever. I love movies they, that they are They had like, like that. a and- different behind the scenes, like kind of documentary style thing to go along with it. Man. We should just do Blair Witch or something. <laughs> I don't want to go on a whole tirade about it, but they they planned it so smartly to make it feel like it was a real fan, found footage movie in so many ways that you would not even know. And then, yeah, I think I they took Blair some Witch. clips from that for that shitty Book of Shadows movie, which the creators didn't want any part in it. They were like, it, it, <laughs> it's been a year since the last movie just came out. You just want us to pump out a sequel and also don't want us to let us actually do anything we want to do. So you guys can ruin it. Have fun with that. We're not going to be a part of it. 
cool. Yeah, which I guess that's kind of depressing. Sorry, that's a big tangent. Anyway, uh, what a tangent. So what? What else? What other cool things or interesting or I don't know things you want to talk about from your next? How scared of this movie were you? Do you remember like watching it the first time? Yeah, vaguely, because I didn't really know much going into it. So I was kind of surprised when suddenly Aaron turns to be like really smart. Like it's so refreshing to have a main character in a horror movie who is smart and like you're rooting for her and just like that last And she half- rewards your rooting yes, for her. Yes, that last half hour of the movie, like holy shit. I've seen some people talk about how the beginning is very slow. And kind of nothing special in particular, like something you've seen before. And I think it's kind of the point because then when it flips it, it's like Mm -hmm. all the more satisfying because it also contrasts like the beginning part of the movie. It does feel it's like, I don't don't know how intentional it was, but like they are dissecting the horror heroine who Mm -hmm. is ineffective and kind of lame. And you're always just like, it's just like coincidences that keep getting her like caught again. And this movie is like slipping on they nothing. always slip. <laughs> These freaking goons are are running around in uh loafers on a soap floor. <laughs> the one time she like gets caught out or whatever, it's when her 911 call goes through. So she succeeds, mm-hmm. but then she's also kind of in a worse situation. Yeah. So like even in moments like that, they find a way to sort of turn it. Yeah, it's very satisfying to see somebody who is like competent and good at their job. It's something that like you forget you kind of need in your media. I've heard so many people talk about like Homeland, the the show Homeland, like Claire Danes is a spy, but she's like kind of a bad spy. Hmm. And she like falls in love with her target. Oh. <laughs> and then all of Homeland is about her like being bipolar and what? <laughs> also like like falling apart and she's like can't keep up with her job because she's also in love with Damian Lillard who is the titular homeland but like Tony Soprano is an awesome mobster <laughs> like he's really good at like mafia power games and like mm-hmm. fucking up people who mess with him like we do still need to see these characters be good at their job and it is something that's very frustrating in horror movies that nobody is good at their job yeah. <laughs> Even fucking Leatherface is like bumbling around in the meat shack, like looking for the teens because he let them get away again. <laughs> I just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginnings. Oh, and that movie no. is not suitable for this podcast because it's it stupid. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's just very <laughs> stupid. We couldn't do this segment. We couldn't talk about the big idea of the movie because the big idea of the movie is what if Leatherface? Yeah, people like Leatherface, so we made a Leatherface movie. <laughs> Here's more Leatherface for you. It is funny when his mom gives birth to Leatherface, it's like steaming <laughs> because he's so evil. <laughs> <laughs> they felt rules. the need to have a birth scene in Oh my god, yeah. I'm so... Anyway, um, Mikey, do you have a question for me? Yeah, so in this movie, there is a big running, not maybe a running theme, but it happens twice. And I was like, is this going to pay off? And it kind of doesn't. The opening scene features a older man having sex with a young college student. And we find out that that he is a teacher at a college and she is one of his students. And Aaron, our main character, is dating Crispin, who is also her teacher at college. 
Wait, um, I don't think he's a teacher. She is a college student. He's just like an older guy who found a younger girl. And no, I think, he's, I think he's the teacher. That was what Drake was needling him about at dinner. Crispin is. The neighbor isn't. The neighbor is. They specifically say the mom and dad when they're driving up. They're like, oh, did you hear he just left his wife for his student? I thought he said he left his wife for a college student. Oh, not impossible. I could be wrong. At the very <laughs> least, there is one student-teacher yes, relationship. Yes, there is. So, Our main characters, Aaron and Crispin, yes. <laughs> Roxy, I don't think, neither you nor I have been in a student-teacher relationship, but I think we all had a big crush on a teacher. Did you know? we? We have teachers. We, we had teachers since kindergarten. Uh, therefore, we had teachers throughout puberty when yes. our hormones were waking us up, when we were having sexual awakenings. Roxy, who was your big teacher crush growing up? Uh, didn't have one, Mikey. <laughs> Did not have one. What do you mean? I had plenty of teachers I thought were cool, that I liked, that uh, I enjoyed their classes and everything, but I was never attracted to any of them. There was never a teacher that you were like, what if we kissed? No. <laughs> can safely say no. Not even in college either. <laughs> Not even in college. No. Roxy, we went to college together. We had some sexy teachers. Did we? Also, all of them were like married, as far as I could tell. They're there doing their job, That's Mikey. <laughs> what makes them sexy it's because they're, they're unattainable. Good <laughs> they're forbidden fruit. You're not allowed to kiss them, and that's why you want to kiss them. Uh, what, why am I being so weird and chaste? It's like, I, you want to kiss them. I think we're finding out <laughs> a lot about really, you, Mike. <laughs> it's a very high school or younger, a very middle school way of talking. Well, about we're it. talking about how, you know, like a kindergarten kid who doesn't know any better or something could have a crush on an older person without understanding what that is or something. So I think that's kind of right. what you're getting at, right? You're kind of running the gamut from being a child to being uh, an adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this. Uh, in high school, I definitely had a math teacher named Miss Kramer who, like, was my age. Like, I mean, obviously she was older, but she was, like, our age. And she was just kind of nerdy and she had, like, freckles. Wait, in and high I was school? very into her. Yeah. Was she like a TA or something? No. She was just like, I mean, she must have just been like right out or of school. Or it was just your perception as a teen. Okay. Or so just she could have been like 45 graduated. and just looked very young. <laughs> she, but she looked my age. She could have been and, a vampire uh, or some other kind of eternal creature. You don't oh, know. Oh, you think she might be a Nostradamus? No, Nostradamus, Nostradamus no. <laughs> Do you mean they a Nosferatu? The future. Uh, a Nosferatu. Nosferatu is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Roxy, do you think my math teacher was a Nosferatu? I don't know. Did she sparkle in the sunlight or uh, dissolve into flames in the sunlight? Uh, she did both at different times. Okay, then she's probably some sort of Nosferatu variant, I'd say. Okay, great. <laughs> that explains so a lot, though. Hot. They have a lot of allure. Some Sometimes. Not Nosferatu, but the, the Twilight version with the sparkling. No, Nosferatu's got a sexy bald head thing. He's real confident. Oh. Uh, good dresser. <laughs> he had, like, a nice coat. He has a fancy dresser, I'd say. Sure. I'll give him that. <laughs> wow. Roxy putting Nosferatu on the hotter not list. Hey, decidedly yeah. on the not. <laughs> He's only got one outfit. He needs he needs to try harder. But Roxy, he doesn't need you to start your monster fashion blog where you yes. just write like Yes, yes, yes. Sasquatch dared to show up in the woods in last in season's Vera Wang. How could he? How could he? You've got a those shoes were custom made, girl. <laughs> those <laughs> shoes were <laughs> custom made. 
<laughs> uh, let me tell you about my first teacher crush, though. Okay, yeah. It was in fourth grade. I want to know all the gossip, Mikey. <laughs> her name grade? was Miss Schaefer. Okay. Rather, her name was Mrs. Schaefer because she was definitely married because Ooh. maybe three quarters to halfway, halfway to three quarters through the school year, we she got us all together to play a game of telephone. And the okay. telephone, you know, you whisper a little message to one kid and then the message like goes around. And if you say something innocuous, like my pants are too long, by the end, you it, it's like twisted enough that they're like sausage in a bond. Like it's always like distorted. Right. But yeah. this one we got perfect because the message that Miss Schwartz started in the game of telephone was Mrs. Schwartz is pregnant. And it was very what? sad because she was like a new teacher. And she was like newly married, and oh, she like, didn't have to leave. To... She had to. She had to leave for the last chunk of the year. Okay. And our substitute teacher was Miss Cheetah. Cheetah. Ooh. And she was. She was just a piece of shit. Oh, that's too she bad. Was like she's a piece lo- of shit person. She's like she's a cool mean. name, though. That's unfortunate. I know. <laughs> she wasn't aware. I remember of the day they introduced her. She was going to be like our long-term substitute, right? Uh-huh. And so she came in before Miss Schwartz left, and she had this like pole up on the front of the board. She was like, listen, my name is Miss Cheetah. And so we're going to, we're going to make a a list of nicknames for me and we can vote on what my official nickname is. And I remember the one that won was Miss Cheese. (laughs) Did she not like that and say, we're not doing that. And then when we called her Miss Cheese, she gave us a check. (laughs) Roxy. That's entrapment. That's entrapment. (laughs) She should have, she should have just vetoed it if she was going to do that. That's cruel. I hate her. I hate her so much. I remember the next year talking to my friend Matt Casali and saying, you remember Miss Cheetah? And he was like, don't fucking say her name. <laughs> He's like, we don't talk about this her. We don't talk about her. But Miss Schaefer, the reason I had a crush on her, this is much sweeter. <laughs> she was one I definitely wanted to kiss and do nothing more with because I didn't know how. She was just, I just had a crush on her because she was very nice to me. Aww. <laughs> it was like the first older woman who was in like a motherly role that I was like, oh, this is like, uh, women can be nice to you. Oh, my <laughs> Yeah, my mom was mean. And so that's why I had a crest on Miss um, Schwartz. Well, I'd say, yeah, especially a little fourth grader Mikey. That 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 makes sense. I wish I could give fourth pretty- grade Mikey a hug. <laughs> yeah, dude, he fucking needed one. <laughs> <It sounds a bit. laughs> he needed some sort of general affection. <laughs> but uh, hey, at least you could commiserate with your buddies about how awful Miss Cheetah was. It'll be something yeah. that binds you for the rest of your life. <laughs> Dude, she would she would freaking come and substitute the rest of the time that I was at that school. There's like this big piece of white paper at the front of the school when you walked in and they had filled out like, here's the announcements you need to know and everything. And they would be like, for uh, second grade, substitute teacher. And it would be Miss Cheetah. And we were just like, son of a bitch, she's here. <laughs> oh, no. Man, when the substitute teacher shows up, like, that's supposed to be the fun time because you don't have to take things as seriously or as strictly. Like, y- your job is to be more fun and just make sure things don't explode. And, like, try try and that's, keep together what else you can in the meantime. But, wow. That is exactly the problem with Miss Cheetah. <laughs> that she she gives you hope and then takes it away. <laughs> and drives... I was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> what? What, what, what? I was... <sighs> I was going to say I would hire a sheep for Miss Cheetah, but I wouldn't do that. But I do think Miss Cheetah would hire a sheep for me. A sheep. Oh, like, like a the, your the, next sheep. Okay, yes. One of the mass killers, I see. Yeah. Like if we were, because we were bad to her back, right? Yeah. Like cause she deserved it. I I firmly believe it was her fault. We're talking about this way too long. 
I mean, I'm having a good time. Uh, Not me. I hate this woman. Okay. I hate this Let's, woman. I, for one, have no problems listening to stories about Mikey's pain and suffering, even if I did not have the honor of causing it myself. Let's uh, talk about something else. Shoot, then. Mikey, shoot for the crossbow, likely... Roxy. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're done with her and she's out of your life now. You're an adult. You don't have to worry about her anymore. She can't hurt, hurt she's you. Here she can't give you a check mark. <laughs> no, that's her. She's creeping around. She can crawl up on the ceilings now because she's also a monster. <laughs> Maybe she was a Nosferatu the whole time then. Oh, <laughs> um, Mikey, how likely do you think the events of your next are likely to happen? How likely? On a scale of one to nine, because ten does not exist down here. Uh, what do you, What do you think, Roxy? My answer is nine, <laughs> and and I'm honestly surprised this doesn't happen more. <laughs> yeah, I uh, gave it an eight because I I feel the same way. I think uh, being able to have killers who are on theme with the masks is not as likely, but uh, rich mm. people killing each other to get more money and not giving a shit about each other's lives. Completely plausible. Happens every day. The fact that there is some sort of mechanism in our society for somebody to die and another person to greatly profit. Mm-hmm. How is this not happening every couple of weeks? Yeah, there's that. God, what is it? There, there's a word for this thing that I can't remember. Like a moral dilemma or like a moral question. Kind of like the train oh, problem, you know? The, the trolley problem. Yeah, so it's like the trolley problem, um, which is more about like, would you kill one person to save many? But this is more of the mystery button. Would you kill one person to pay off your student loan debts and not have to do your bartending job <laughs> yeah. anymore? Which I gotta say, it's tempting, but would not do it. There's, there's <laughs> Roxy, a simple- that should have been my big question you for know, the week. What is your been- limit to things that you would do to get rid of your student loans because i would go pretty far. me too oh god um but our student loans are definitely here in the scary the, it's more scary than any creature i would gladly fight any monster in here before if it would i'd fight all the monsters if i could get rid of my student loans but anyway back to what i was saying <laughs> the moral dilemma of the mystery box where it's like if you press this button you will get a million dollars, but someone somewhere in the world will die. Right. And sometimes it's like, oh, it's somebody you don't know. So it takes the fact, the guilt away that like, oh, my, you know, significant other or my family member, you know, could die as a result of this. Like, no, just would you kill someone to get money? Someone you don't know. I would press that button before the question is <laughs> being asked. No. I would jam that button like I'm doing a QTE in a video game. <laughs> they wouldn't even complete uh, giving the tutorial to you. You just if press, you press skip this it. button, you will win a million dollars. But well, fifty people died. Mikey's too good at QTEs, and only one million dollars was directly removed from somebody's bank account. 50 people died. Like, You're just really good at QTEs. got that set up to a gun outside. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's fucked up. Uh, in general. <laughs> <laughs> just being alive, you know. Hmm. So, Mikey, I was wondering where Felix even found those animal mass killer guys. I actually had the same question. So, I, I did a little digging. And I found the phone number of the place he called to get his murder plan rolling. Do you want to call him? 
Okay, but like strictly for research purposes, I don't want to actually hire anyone to do murders. Well, let's see what kind of packages they offer, huh? Hello, Happy Animal Moving Company. Are you looking to move? Hi, no, I'm not. Uh, did you say you're a moving company? Yes, moving company. We have top quality mover, ready to lift stuff, all while wearing animal masks. Okay, okay, I get what's going on here. You say you're a moving company, but what if I needed a guy murdered? Excuse me, whoa, 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 we don't do murder. No, we do furniture move. Well, it's just, I heard you might have sent some animal guys out to this dude Felix that we know who... Yes, to help move. Oh no, did they do murder? Are my guys out there doing murder? You know, I know some moving company, they are front for murder, but my company... If you didn't know your guys were out there doing murder, why'd you send them out wearing animal masks? That feels pretty intimidating. I want to have a family-friendly feel to moving company. When I was young, my mom hired movers, the big, burly guys that grunt and groan, Lifting heavy couches, it terrify me as young boy. I say now, in future, as adult, when I open the moving company, I promise my movers, they look cute and cuddly. What what look cute and cuddly, man? It's animals. You know, they be kind of movers. They make kids smile, laugh, warm hearts. But animal masks also hide their identity, so it's so much easier for them to get away with murder. Yeah, you know, I never think of that. It, uh, it's a good point. Uh, Rudolph, uh, hey man, get in here. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, boss? You ever do murder while working for company? Oh, yeah, boss, uh, of course, sure, isn't that what you hired us for? Oh, Rudolph, damn it, man, I don't want murder. I want you to move people, move people things. Well... Then, uh, why'd you give us uh, so much weapons training? Rudolph, to be good mover, you must be good with axe. A lot of folks, they leave big couches, big credenzas in home. You must chop things into pieces to get them through door and, and to take outside. Okay, uh, but then, uh, what about the, uh, crossbow training, boss? That one was company retreat, man. It to build a team and and uh, get guys on same page. You know, look, personally, I not understand how it's supposed to work, but I figure guys with retreat, they are experts. Who am I to question? You know, it seemed rude. Hey, Mikey, I just looked up this moving company's website online. Have you seen their slogan? Oh, dude, your website says happy animals moving we take lives. Buddy, we take lives from one house, and we move them to other house. But actually, I hear it out loud, I think now, I, I, I can absolutely see uh, how a mistake was made. Uh, it it uh, does not uh, come across <laughs> how, how I had uh, planned. Hmm. I'm sorry, man. It sounds kind of like your business evolved into something you don't really want it to be. It is uh, tough stuff, man, you know? And hey, this explains why side business also do so bad. Oh, what's your side business? Contract killing, you know? I've been splitting the market. Oh, okay. Well, hey, I'm just going to get going. Uh, uh, well, look, man, we actually have a great deal on contract killing. If you're looking, we kill anybody. Family, friends, 
producing partner. No, let me hear it. Uh, hey, 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 I'm just gonna hang this up right now. Boy, Mikey, you really need to screen your calls better. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> oh, shit. Run. Congratulations, your souls are safe for another week. Next week, I felt a seasonal offering was in order. You must watch the 1978 film Halloween, directed by John Carpenter and starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, and P.J. Souls. If you do not, your souls are forfeit and I shall claim your bodies as my own. Do you believe your organic minds are capable of braving its terrors? Uh, I think I can. I think I will. You think you can, Mikey? I'm gonna, it's, it's a pretty old movie, I think we'll be okay. It's a very good movie from what I remember, so I'm excited excited to watch it. Cool. It's got Michael Myers. He's got a big white face. It's true. It's uh do, do you know the mm-hmm. the trivia fact about the mask? No, what's that? You don't. Okay, so the mask is originally a William Shatner mask turned inside out and then painted white. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool trivia facts. I hope to one day become so famous a celebrity that my mask is turned inside out and used uh, to cover the identity of a killer. <laughs> we can only hope. Okay, well, since Halloween's coming up, would you like to make a bet, Mikey? Let's make a bet. You know I love to make bets for Halloween. Yeah, why am I even asking you? Of course we're going to make a bet. We are going <laughs> that, to make a bet. That classic <laughs> Halloween activity when you are going door to door, knocking on your neighbor's door and saying, uh, "How do, do you think that the Cleveland Browns are going to cover... <laughs> trick or treat or bet uh yeah let's do it let's make a bet okay uh how about what is the kill count for the original halloween from 1978 classic kill count i'm into it let's i'm gonna say uh four because it's like an older slasher movie i feel like they didn't get a a huge body count until later so i'm gonna say four killings okay i'd say that's pretty fair uh i'm gonna one-up you then and say five it's messed up roxy just just because i it's messed up what you're doing here a little stinker <laughs> <laughs> the pact has been sealed i mean the bet is confirmed Whoever is closest to the kill count of the original 1978 film halloween shall be declared the winner the loser must watch the entire film on loop until they are able to give an accurate mental count of the number of times Linda says the word totally. Roxy, let's end the episode, as we do every week, with a little bit of joy. What's making you happy? Uh, so the thing making me happy this week is a very small thing, but also a very de- de-stressed thing. I had a bunch of clothes that either had like a little rip or tear or were missing a button that I had kind of just thrown into a pile in my closet and kept thinking, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And uh, later was this week. I finally got around to fixing all of it. And I felt really cool and pleased with myself for actually uh, oh. doing things correctly for once. <laughs> you actually them. fixed them. Yes, I actually fixed them. <laughs> I always do that thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to either take these pants in or like fix the rip in the in the crotch where it always is. <laughs> and then I just throw them away. I just get tired of them. And I'm like, these clothes don't work anymore. And I just want them out of my house. Well, some of them are beyond the point of repair, you know, when it comes to that. So like, there were some that I just mm-hmm. like straight up threw out. But that was like, this one is fine. Like, it's just a little tear in the seam. I could easily fix that. Or it's just like a button that fell off. The rest of the shirt is fine. So wow, incredible work. Yeah. Uh, this what about week, you? what's making me happy? I put on an old coat, found twenty dollars in the pocket. Ooh, lucky! That's exciting, right? Yeah. It also had the exact date and time I would die written on it. But uh, you well. know, I figure, hey, this week Chipotle is on 
the death oracle. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's not really so lucky then, but uh, you should probably keep that a secret so you don't accidentally do self-fulfilling prophecy or something. Ooh, or pass it on to the people at Chipotle when I pay for my burrito and extra guac. Oh, can you actually get out of it then? Is that an escape clause? Do you get rid of the $20 and just- We'll see. <laughs> Maybe it'll- we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if it works like the It Follows monster where I just <laughs> give that $20 bill away and then the next person has it. So my question is that if you give it to the cashier, it's technically owned by like the CEO of Chipotle. So would it actually go after the CEO of Chipotle instead of that individual employee? Yeah, you know, it depends on if it is transferring via, like, touch, or uh-huh. if it's through, like, the cosmic idea of <laughs> ownership. Uh, hopefully they both die. Roxy, each week, sure. the demon bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door and keep us from escaping. Who we got this week. But each week we still escape. This is true. We've so, got a pretty good track record, so I'm feeling good better chances this week. So I've got a, I've got a plan to get us out of here. You ready for okay. it? Okay, yep. What's planned? I learned, I learned a bird call. Okay, how does that help? So us I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna escape? do a bird call, and then it's gonna distract the monster, and he's gonna look around like, where's the bird? And that's when we're gonna go. Okay, are you ready? Oh, okay. I thought that the the guardsman was a bird. Okay, God, so we're gonna distract that. him with a bird. Okay, I'll shut up so you can do the bird call. I'm gonna do the call, and then we'll throw the door open, and then we'll run. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Roxy, the guardsman is a bird. What? I drew it right to us. I drew it 